Hello, and welcome to Two Profs in a Pod. I'm Tanisha. I'm Beth. And we are faculty and faculty developers at Glendale Community College in Arizona. And we are so excited for our episode on today. Today, we are joined by a couple of guests to have a conversation about nudging or messaging students. So Beth, could you please give us an introduction to our guests on today for our conversation? Yes, I'd be happy to. Today, we are joined by Elisa Cooper, who is in her 32nd year of teaching composition and literature. She teaches here at Glendale Community College. Her doctorate is in instructional technology and distance education. Um, She, in the past, has served as advisor on the ELI Seven Things uh, publication, and she's currently doing work in anti-racist pedagogy and a little bit of retirement studies. We're also joined by Shelly Rodrigo. Um, Shelly is the senior director of the writing program at the University of Arizona. She taught for nine years full-time at Mesa Community College, and for a few years, she moonlighted with GCC, teaching English 101 and 102 online. But the important detail is, I'm quoting Shelly here, her online teaching experience is old enough to drink. She was also part of the team that experimented with messaging students in the spring of 2018, and that's our topic for today. And then a really cool bit of information, this year she was elected vice president of the National Council of Teachers of English, and she also won the Arizona Technology and Education Association's Ruth Catalano Friend of Technology Innovation Award. Awesome. Welcome. Yes, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Excited to be here. Yay. Okay, we are talking about this topic of nudging or messaging students. And, uh, you know, I think we're particularly talking about online, but there's no reason why that couldn't apply to -to face-to-face classes, although uh, maybe a little bit more to online. We're talking about that because, um, of course, course completion rates are a hot topic of conversation. And because of that, Strategies that can help students complete a course successfully are also a topic of conversation. Elisa, give us another reason why we're talking about it. Well, I think we're talking about it because there's so much data out there. And that's uh, part of the, you know, one of our goals is to try to use that to help us better what we're doing. Awesome. Tanisha. I think we can all agree that instructor presence matters. It matters a lot. Um, especially to our students. Um, and But there will be more on that later. We're going to come back to that. Awesome. Okay, so um, we're going to ask Elisa to talk about two things now. First, I, I, and, and maybe I should give a little bit of context here. So we did, um, there were about nine of us at GCC who completed a research study in 2018. And um, these were instructors who taught online and hybrid courses, and they were in the English department and taught either critical reading courses, English courses, or humanities courses. So, Elisa, what did we actually want to do in that study, and then what did we do? Mm-hmm. Well, what we did was a lot different than what we initially started out looking at, but we just sort of you know, thought that there would be a better way to improve what we were doing with these online 
and hybrid courses. And with all the data that is out there and that we had access to, we just felt like there would be a good way to sort of look at that data and see if there was something it was telling us that could help us improve what we were trying to do. And so after we got together and started thinking about it, what basically came out of it was the idea of messaging students based on um, what level they were in the course. And by level, just meaning how well they were doing. If they were at-risk at students, we felt like there were certain messages that could benefit those students, and we could send those messages out in, in a timely manner. But also, you know, we didn't want to ignore uh, students who were actually doing very well. And so we crafted messages that we would also send to those students to encourage them to do, um, to do, to continue to do well. And so turns out completely different what we originally had in mind, but it ended up being a very rewarding project. Okay. So um, the study involved sending out uh, messages at key points in the semester to all of those varying groups, and we ended up using grades as a form of data that any instructor has access to. Okay. Yeah, and then also, don't forget, we did that survey at the end as well to sort of see how the students uh, reacted to our messages that were sent out, and we got some good data based on, on that survey. Mm -hmm. What did the research say, Shelley? Um, so the research, I think, was really uh, motivational for us as faculty. Uh, so one of three kind of major findings we found. First, 85% of the participants who read the messages. So uh, again, remember, we, we had a bunch of classes and then we, we surveyed students. Uh, and one of the things we had to do was both like, you got this message and then did you read it? So of the 85%, 85% of the participants who read the messages um, found them useful, which is a good thing, right? Just that the message was useful. And what was exciting to me was not only was it useful for typical course stuff. So a lot of times when we send messages, we're doing things like, don't forget, this is upcoming, this is things you need to do, or this is your status in the course. But um, especially once we were strategizing and being proactive in developing message cycles, if you will. Um, we were also doing things like providing options and information for students. Like, don't forget you, you're happy to meet with me, or this is how you can meet with me. Here are resources related to where you are in the course. Oh, hey, don't forget registration for next semester is coming up. And um, students found getting all that information was, was useful to them. Next, um, of the, again, of the students who... We asked if messages were useful and we asked if they were meaningful. Meaningful was a little trickier to get at. And we qualitatively coded that and we, we got to where students talked about being encouraged and students talked about being appreciated. And so example quotes we have from that are, one student said, I'm not used to receiving feedback like that from a teacher. So to be honest, the email as a whole was surprising and thoughtful. I felt encouraged. And then another student said, the information in the email consisted of praise, acknowledgement, and motivation. I've never taken an online class before where I felt that I had so much support, which motivated to keep me doing what I'm doing. Aw. Right? Isn't that great? That's awesome. And then, <laughs> 
And then kind of our third takeaway, and I think this is, um, you know, back to Tanisha's point of this applies to all our students. Of the 15 at-risk students, so for us in terms of how we grouped at-risk with the study, that was people who were getting uh, a current grade between 0 and 79, so they were sitting at a C or lower, and they read the email, so it didn't it didn't help much if they didn't read the email, but, and they read the email um, and, and, and did the study. 12 said that the message was positive, two appreciated acknowledgement, and one was encouraged. So what's fascinating about that is of the 15, um, a bunch of them were saying it was still a positive message, even though they were, and our, our categories of what counted it at risk, we had more groups than just zero to 79. This is more the data, but, but groups where, you know, for the data analytics point where they were usually for a lot of us, uh, you know, failing the class was a marker to still see this message as positive. And even if they didn't all read it, did we make that impact with the ones who did read it? And did that help get them to the end? We hope so. Um, so what I think ultimately was, useful about this, especially the two points in terms of students feeling encouraged and appreciated, and then our at-risk students still thinking it was positive, acknowledging, and encouraging, is that these messages were were about teacher presence and the importance of teacher presence, and that students want to know that we're there, and we care about them. And I think, too, when we got together and started, you know, made that our plan to create these messages one of the things that we talked about was how the messages did need to be positive. Because I think a lot of faculty do message students on a regular basis, but do they really think about what they're saying and how they say it? And I think that's important. And that was one of the things I think we did well. So right. Of, so kind of like the tone mm-hmm. of the message, right? Like what is your tone? Is it like positive and encouraging and motivating or does it beat the student down and and pretty much ask the student the question of why are you even here? Like we don't, we don't want those types of messages, right? We want them, we want more of the positive messages. So tone really makes a difference. Well, and even, I think Tanisha, even not the reminder of like, you remember you haven't turned in work for three weeks. My guess is the student knows they haven't turned in works for three (laughs) work for three weeks. So, you know, it, it is that framing of it's not, you know, reminding them that they're not doing well in the class. It's going like, okay, we're here. We see you. We want to support you. We want you to succeed. So, Let's go from so, there. So maybe an example of that, like instead of saying you've been missing assignments for three weeks, you can you can mention that, but also say, you know, if you need anything or if you need help or support or resources, I'm here. If, if you need it, I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. Like tagging that onto the message mm-hmm. of you've been missing assignments for three weeks would really make a difference. Right. And I think, I know at least for me, it went even a step further. Once I found myself doing this, I would realize, and this is where sometimes it became overwhelming because it needed to be personalized, but then it'd be like, okay, you've been missing assignments for three weeks. If you don't have time to make them all up, here are the three major ones that will get you caught up so you can keep going with the class. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, so not just you're behind, but here's here's a strategy to get back on track besides just do everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's very helpful, you know, especially to our students. And, and like I said, it's, it's, you know, I myself said when we started doing this, I said, well, I already do that. I thought 
I already, you know, send out messages to my students. But it really took me, you know, so a, a, a few minutes or a few days to sort of grasp the idea that I have to be kinder. Not that I was mean or harsh, but I was like Shelly was saying, or your example, you've been absent three weeks and you haven't turned anything and, you know, I have to drop you if you don't submit your work. That turned into a completely different message that I think was just as effective or not effective, just like it would have been with the previous message. So anyone can change their way of doing it, even if you think you're doing this right now. Right. Mm -hmm. One of the things we talk about, too, in this segment is, uh, you know, so, so how do we do that? How do we, how do we get it done? You know, how do we take on something like this ourselves in our own classes? Well, and, and we've all done it, so we could just kind of go through and talk a little bit about that. Um, we will be sharing some links in the show notes. One of them is to a document um, that we created after the study, which is just a chart with some tips, rationale, explain, explanation, and examples for crafting student messages. And on that chart, the tip is something that we tried to focus on, like, for example, building a growth mindset. So something we wanted to do in the, in the emails was really try to educate students that you know, they, they might have this grade now or they might be struggling with this concept now, but that doesn't mean they can't learn it uh, and, and make improvements. We tried to focus on being really specific, like Shelly was saying in that email example, like here are the three assignments you can do, creating that sort of very specific plan for students. Um, we also tried to focus on uh, using social cues, to show instructor presence and engagement by using greetings and using the students' names in the emails. Um, and then also, and this one's really important, I think, for instructor presence, and that is using our own voice in those nudges and messages. So really being ourselves. So even though we shared examples with each other, you know, if I had a meme in one of my emails for students that was, you know, kind of lightly humorous, it might not have been appropriate for another one of my colleagues to borrow that because that might not be something that he or she would include normally as part of their own personality and a message to students. So definitely instructors using their own voice um, is really important. Um, Elisa, can you, oh. Oh, Beth, sorry, this is Shelly. I wanna, I wanna jump in on, back to the emphasis on build your growth mindset. Yeah. I think a lot of our students in a lot of our classes already have ideas about themselves. So for us, a lot of us were teaching reading and writing, and we definitely know students come to our classes already believing certain things about their reading and writing. But even our students have beliefs about who they are as learners. I'm not a good student. I can't do this. I've always struggled with math, whatever it may be. And what I really thought was important about us focusing on the growth mindset was also just trying to get students away from there is not something that is that is inherently about you that makes this that you can or cannot do it with, you know, with time, work, dedication and my support as an instructor. You will learn this. You will grow. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Sorry for jumping in. (laughs) I was going to call on you anyway. Alisa, do you want to add anything as, as maybe about tools used to communicate with students or? Yeah, there, there are a lot of different tools and we kind of went through, you know, we use Canvas as our LMS. And one of the first things that we uh, identified was the message a student, message students who from the grade book. And so just from there, we can send a message to the whole class if they had, or not to the whole class, but to any students who had maybe missed an assignment or scored a certain grade on an assignment, uh, we can send that personalized message. So not personalized that it's individually, but it's to that personalized to each group level. And so that worked out really well. Uh, But we also thought about different ways to do things, like Beth said, adding in the meme. But we also use the tools within the grading tool within Canvas as well, where we can add our own voice. And so a lot of students really like that when we would record messages so they could actually hear us. And hearing is different than just reading a message. Sometimes I think students uh, will ignore emails because they come in that way. But if they get a, a message that pops up from an assignment, they might be a little more curious and they might look at that and listen to it. So we used a lot of the tools that were available to us in Canvas in addition to just email. And I'll add one thing in. This comes from Chris Nielsen, who recently presented at our Thrive conference on tools he uses to message students. And he uses the message students who... He throws a little uh, curveball in there and message, messages students who have already submitted assignment and they submitted it early. So he uses that as a positive point of contact to say, hey, thanks for sending, you know, thanks for submitting this early. It's great. You're right on track. That kind of a positive mm-hmm. message. And I think that's great because, you know, one thing that um, Elisa pointed out from you guys' approach to to this is the importance of reaching out to all of the students, not just the at-risk students. So that really stuck out to me because of the fact that I think a lot of times we think that, which, which of course we know that our at-risk students might need a little bit more of a point of a contact in order to help them to be successful. But I think it's also helpful to to have positive reinforcement for the students who are turning in uh, their assignments early or who are doing well, just to say, hey, you know what, you're doing well, keep up the good work. And I think sometimes, you know, that that sometimes those those students might get a little bit lost because we are so focused on at risk. Um, but but I believe it's something that that all students can really benefit from. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do we have anything else we want to say on the on the research study we conducted? And I should say to our audience, we don't have anything we can quite yet link to aside from the document that we created, uh, but per- perhaps in the future we'll be able to add a link to something more specific um, with our conclusions in it. Right, right, Shelley? Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got that. Hint, 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 hint received. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's for all of us. Okay, we have reached the part in our programming, unless anyone wants to say anything else about the research study. I, I think one thing that I, I'd like to address um, is a lot of instructors might hear this, and especially if they're instructors who, like at a community college, might have four or five sections and might have 
you know, at least over a hundred, maybe multiple hundreds of students, mm-hmm. um, that this could s- sound overwhelming, especially when we talked about personalizing it. Um, but I want to remind back to where we originally started with wanting to work with learning analytics and how to use that and, and that the personalizing can happen on a group level. It doesn't, if, if you have over a hundred students, it doesn't mean you need to email each of them individually. Instead, you can find out what are the point, what are the points in the semester or what are the key assignments that you know radically impact how well a student does in the class. And then you can, again, use the LMS and sort and send messages in batches. Uh, and that is not nearly as much work as individualizing it every time. And once you've done this one semester, then you're going to have your, your solid um, basis of messages that you can continue to use as you move forward. Right. Because we did create separate documents that had our messages in them, right? Mm -hmm. Like we were kind of building a library of messages um, that could be modified from semester to semester, but you've got the base, right? That you're working with. So that's a really good point, Shelly, that, you know, once you do it the first time, you've got messaging to work with. And also too, remember that we talked about how just sending out announcements. So just a general one announcement changing the tone of that and adding in even more encouragement in general, that's a plus. It's not as powerful as the individual messages that a student might get, but just seeing that overall message to the whole class can be encouraging to some students too. And we we tend to overlook that because we're thinking, this is important. I need them to know these things about this week or this assignment. And we tend to forget that we should try to be a little more encouraging as well in that method. Mm-hmm. You know what, we can, we do have some sample messages that we can link to. So we can share some of those on the show notes. Okay. All right, we've reached that point in our programming where we talk about what's on, what's our, on radar. our radar. Yes. So, um, so we're just going to go around and we're going to share um, what is on our radar. So I will go first. So the thing that is on my radar right now, um, which some of my colleagues are already aware of, is that I have picked up a new hobby and it is archery. So um, I have uh, been bitten by by the archery bug. So, you know, I have a bow, I have an arrow and um, I do practice like about um, every other week is when I can kind of get some practice in. So, you know, sometimes when you know, I'm, I'm out on the range. I think about, um, like the hunger games and I think I'm Katniss Everdeen <laughs> and I'm just like, pew, 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 like with, with my <laughs> so it's really fun. I really enjoy it. I'm really glad I picked it up. Um, it took me a long time to decide that I was going to pick it up. You know, I kind of dipped my toe in the water and now I kind of just jumped into the deep end and now I'm in it. So that's, that's what's on my radar. Okay. You're going to have to send me a picture so we can put that on the show notes. Yeah, I already picture have, of, yeah, I already have pictures. I have one of me um, hitting a, a, a ping pong ball. Let's do it. On the um, target, which I was really excited for. Wow. So yeah. So. Okay. I'll Beth, no, I think you just have to be doing jokes like, you know, that Tanisha's on point, on target, yes. you know, the next trip. <laughs> that's a great suggestion. <laughs> Oh, Shelly, what's on your radar? 
Oh, I have sabbatical this spring. I'm so excited. I have so much data from so many things, including the study we just talked about. So uh, I'm actually very excited about writing up, um, writing up and working with the group to, to finally um, send out for review and hopeful pu- publication uh, all the great work we did with this project. That's great. Congrats on getting the sabbatical. <sighs> so excited. So yeah. excited. I, I am looking forward to the Arizona treasure hunt on November 13th, something that I'm pretty sure maybe two or three years ago, I was looking forward to this exact same thing in, in the on the radar segment. So uh, nothing like traipsing through the desert, looking for clues and uh, speeding around in a soccer van uh, with my team. And um, so, yeah, that's what we'll be doing November 13th. Elisa. Well, I don't know, after Tanisha, I'm thinking going a fun, but I'll stick with the educational side of things. Um, I finally dumped my eight-week online 101s because I just felt like such a failure because it was so challenging to get students who are not only weak in English 101, but also just not familiar with online courses. So we didn't dump them completely, but I uh, am going to teach a 12-week version of that course in the spring and I'm redesigning it to add in some of my anti-racist pedagogy and just make it sort of a really fun and good experience for students. So they'll have a little bit more time to be successful, but it'll also, you know, get, let them experience the real world that we live in today. Sounds great. I hope you will share that course. I share it yeah. all. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to leave you with this nugget. Yeah, so I think the nugget was really already shared earlier when we just talked about how instructor presence matters. And I'm going to say that one more time so that so that it really just sinks in so that you can really marinate on it just a little bit. But instructor presence matters. And I think it's important to also emphasize no matter the modality, right, whether it's face-to-face, um, hybrid, Online, I know a lot of the work that you guys did mostly focused on online, um, but I think no matter the modality, it's very important to remember that, you know, we matter to our students and showing that we care and showing that acknowledgement um, is really encouraging from, from some of the data that you guys shared today. It's really encouraging and motivating and positive. And we have to think about how some of our students may not actually have that in their own personal lives. They may not have people who really make them feel that um, that they're you know that they're um, acknowledged or that they're important and they don't really motivate them and you just sending one simple email could could make such a difference in that student's life and I think that's a way to kind of think about it that you know that point of contact that impact really makes a difference and uh, so if anything I know I just said quite a bit but if there's anything that you remember just remember the three words that instructor presence matters you matter to our students and that's the nugget great nugget. Special thanks today to our guests, Elisa and Shelly. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great having you here. Great hearing you and seeing you. And once again, as a reminder, I'm Tanisha. I'm Beth. I'm Elisa. I'm Shelly. And thank you so much for joining us on today. We are really excited that you join us, and we hope that you will join us again for our next episode on Two Props in a Pod. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to join in, 
connect with us on Twitter. Follow at Two Profs in a Pod or leave a comment on our blog at twoprofsinapod.blogspot.com. Remember, spell out the number two. Other ways to show your support? Subscribe in your favorite podcast app, write a review on Apple Podcasts, or tell your colleagues about the show. Two Profs in a Pod is hosted by Beth Ayers, English faculty, and Tanisha Baca, communication faculty. The podcast is edited by Cheryl Colon, instructional developer, and is brought to you by the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Engagement at Glendale Community College in Arizona. 